So today, as part of our podcast series, which is powered by Upsa Global, we have the honor to interview Sébastien Odu, the head of sports content at Canal Plus, uh, a leading uh, broadcaster in, in Europe and the world. So Sébastien, welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. Great. So Sébastien, what I want to talk to you about today was first your, your background, your role and responsibilities at Canal Plus, and then we'll talk about your favorite technologies and also how you measure the success when launching a digital offering. And then we also discuss your take on the NFT metaverse space, as well as your recommendation to any startups and vendors looking to work with Canal Plus. So how does it sound? Sounds great. Great, so uh, Sebastian, so could you start by telling us about your background? Um, well, my background is really uh, being a journalist host and, and broadcaster, you know, I, I started uh, 20 years ago as a as a reporter for uh, I mean I started with rugby league and actually I started during the 98 World Cup in 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 Paris uh, yeah. actually the channel I was working for AB Sports that was the name of the channel was actually the HQ was like 500 meters from the Stade de France so it was wow. you know it was like destiny to to be working there starting you know really my career during the world cup actually the first feature story that i did for that channel was around the world cup but obviously we didn't have the rights it was a very small channel in france and but the the first thing that i did was to do a feature story on a theater that was you know giving away you know discounted seats the nights of the big games for friends, because obviously it was very hard to attract people in theaters uh, when there was a, a huge uh, football match uh, or soccer match, I should say, um, in the US um, uh, those nights. So it was uh, it was the way I started in that in that small channel. That's great. So, uh, well, I mean, 1998, I still remember I was much, much younger and it was a big deal. I mean, for friends to one. Uh, against Brazil, three not, I mean, three nothing in the final it was. I don't think anybody was expecting that. Uh, at least not, you know, to beat the, the Brazilians that way. So great memories there. Uh, how did you end up joining Canaplos? Well, what's the story there? Yeah, so I started. You know, I was actually still in journalism school when I started working. I was very lucky. Um, so I started working with AB Sports. Then I finished my last year of, uh, of college. Um, and while I was doing that, the company was acquired by the, the Pate Group, which was a, a big movie yeah. company in France. Mm -hmm. So they acquired the channel. Then I went back, started working even more frequently as a freelancer uh, for them. And about uh, three years later, I was still freelancing. So I was doing that. I was doing also a lot of documentaries. Uh, I was working for ESPN uh, Europe in London as well. I was doing a, yeah. a, a few stuff with uh, branded content and so on, with publicists and so on. Uh, but in, 20, uh, in, um, in 2002, uh, actually, Canal Plus decided to acquire uh, Pate Sport. And so the channel became Sport Plus, and that was the way uh, I, I, got, I got to work with the, the Canal Plus group. Actually, I was among the first of the Paddy Sport uh, journalists to, to work with Canal Plus because they needed someone to work on golf that, uh, that summer in, uh, in, uh, in 02. So I ended up working on the 
actually uh, at that time that was the Avion Masters tournament, which was a big uh, women's tournament in France. Now it's even bigger. Now it's part of the the official majors in in, in golf yeah. uh, as the Avion Championship. So I started working with that, um, and then you know. Uh, um, Continue to work on golf. I was um, I ended up uh, being staff uh, starting in in 07 um, to, to work with the PGA Tour golf. Uh, we we actually lost PGA Tour golf in um, I guess it was in, in in 2000 and then we got it back in 05 and then I started working uh, back uh, with that in 05 and then in 07 they decided that I needed to be uh, to be on that full time yeah. and uh, so I did that for a few years and then um, you know ended up running all the golf operation and the, the French golf channel that we have which which is called golf plus uh, it's yeah. gonna be the 10th year anniversary this year actually uh, so and you know at some point I had done you know I went as far as I could go in terms of golf media in France no it's not that big golf in France so um, <laughs> they uh, were kind enough to allow me to to move to the digital side of our business and uh, so that's how I ended up running all the uh, digital uh, output when it comes to sports for, uh, for Canal Plus in France. Well, that's great. So, so in regards to that, can you tell us more about your role and responsibilities at Canal Plus? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, basically, if it's not, you know, typically, you know, linear or, you know, broadcast centric, uh, I have something to do with it which means, you know, I'm obviously handling all the social media for Canal Plus. We are very, uh, we are a huge brand on social media. Even on the newer platforms, we are leading on, on TikTok. We are huge on Twitch. We are doing a lot of stuff on Snap. We are doing a lot of stuff on every platform. Um, obviously, I have a huge focus on my canal, which is our own OTT platform. And what I mean that, I mean, you know, talking to being more and more involved with the the rights owner you know to push that quality of um, the ecosystem that we have whether it's social media or ott platform the quality of the experience that we have on the, on that platform and mm -hmm. obviously i'm working a lot on the experience with the product people we have what we call the expert mode which is the enhanced way of watching live sports on my canal. Uh, it allows you to have near live highlight clips, you know, um, all the live statistics, the lineups, you can give a grade to the game. You have the we the, the biggest fantasy game in France called Montpetit Gazon in football. We we have all the, the ratings from Montpetit Gazon right into our app. You don't even have to, you know, look for your favorite player when he's playing mm -hmm. uh, on the on the Montpetit Gazon app. You have the ratings uh, right into the MyCanal app. Um, we have multi-camera angles. We have up to uh, we have 10 additional, uh, you know, cameras for MotoGP, for example. We even have a 360 VR camera angle, onboard camera angle, which is very, very, very cool. Very nice. Um, and we even went as far as doing like 55 additional feeds. We did that for the Players' Championship the past two years where we have basically one feed per group, which is absolutely crazy. That was my dream when I was running golf. Mm -hmm. I ended up making it happen when I uh, uh, when I started running the digital uh, 
business at, at Canal when it comes to sport. That's great. So, oh, by the way, so really, you know, I mean, it's really something where you can do a lot of stuff. Obviously, uh, there's a lot of coordination between different uh, division and services at Canal, but it's really what, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's really, it really gets me fired up because it's, it's really something where, I mean, you can do pretty much everything you want uh, as long as you're ready for the challenge. Yeah. And I think, I mean, Canal Plus, I remember growing up in France, that's such a big brand in sports. Uh, it's an iconic brand. So, and, you know, living in the U.S., in New York now, uh, I should probably sign up. I, so am I able to get Canal Plus in the U.S.? No, uh, unfortunately, you cannot. You, you cannot. No, um, I mean, you, you can. I mean, if you are French subscribers, you can now with the European Union, you can access uh, the my canal everywhere in Europe, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, no, we, we don't have any current operation in uh, in, so with the IP US. address, I wouldn't be able to uh, because they would track where I am, so yeah, absolutely. I guess it'd be hard for me to get it. Okay, I understand. Uh, well, so out of transparency, I'm using uh, Fubo TV, so that's yeah. how I'm able to get all the, the games, the soccer games from Liga and uh, Premier League and La Liga and so on. Which is a great company. I mean, they just acquired uh, Molotov recently in France, yeah. um, and so um, I mean, it's great that they are interested in the uh, European market as well. I yeah, say. I think you're right. Um, so now, whenever you're launching a, a new digital offering, right? How do you measure success? Like, what types of KPI do you use to measure the success? Actually, very different from uh, operation to operation. Uh, when we are going on TikTok, for example, it's all about you know getting new potential customers among the youngest ones because obviously as every pay tv operator we have a huge challenge when it comes when it comes to renewing our subscriber base yeah our our core base is rather old, and so we need to talk to the younger demographics Um, and so when we go on twitch or on tiktok it's all about rich getting as many people you know uh we need to see, we need to have as many uh, younger demographics. Um, as on, possible. Um, yeah, as possible, you know, and to, to make them uh, part of the My Canal, exp- part of the Canal Plus experience uh, from the start, even if it's on a platform that is not the My Canal platform. And then we're going to work with them. Uh, they're going to be more, um, you know, uh, they're going to. Uh, learn about the brand, learn about our offering, learn about what we do, and slowly we're hopefully going to get them to at some point subscribe to to one of our offering. Um, so when we go on those newer platform, it's all about reach. We, we are not looking to, to make money out of that. We're mm-hmm. really looking to find new potential customers. When we are going on YouTube or Facebook, you know, more mature platform, yeah. mostly about monetization. Uh, yeah. It's an added, you know. Obviously, our main business is subscription. Yeah. But um, since you know we have a lot of premium content, uh, sports is, as you know, very expensive in terms of sports rights. It's always good to have uh, other ways of monetizing your content. Specifically, yeah. you know, near live highlights, you know, highlights, uh, you know, uh, even you know back catalog, which is something that we're doing more and more on YouTube, uh, and that is very interesting. Yeah. Uh, especially for, you know, older, you know, reports and documentaries and so on. Um, so first, you know, reach for some of the operation, then it's all about monetization in some other operation. And 
For example, when we are doing new experiences around my canal, like we did for golf, for example, and so on, it's all about, you know, making the subscribers that we have happy. Yeah. And, you know, we know that when, when uh, one of our customers uh, starts using uh, my canal, the app, Mm -hmm. they are much less likely to unsubscribe because usually they are more happy when they discover all the possibilities around the OTT app. Mm -hmm. And so in sports, it's even more uh, important because, you know, let's say you like um, F1, you know, it's good to watch F1, but what's the difference between, you know, Canal Plus and any other broadcasters uh, around the world? Well, actually, that's the expert mode where you have the multi-camera angle or the live statistics you have the near live highlights. So if you miss something, you went to the bathroom, there's an overtake by Verstappen, you get back in front of your TV, you can see the, the other take uh, at the tip of your finger. And we also added a, an interactive layer recently uh, with the help of LiveLike. Uh, we call that the timeline yeah. where- I know the LiveLike yeah. You know, it's, it's really good because for example, uh, the main announcer in F1 is going to ask, well, what do you think about this overtake? Was it fair or not by Verstappen? He's going to ask that on air. We're oh, going to have that question straight into the app. People will be able to say, yeah, I think it was fair. No, it was not fair. And then they can use that in the post-game show, in, or in the post-race show, I should say, uh, to discuss what happened and say, oh, well, so there's know, a live, live polls. Exactly. So and then, okay. you know, they can say, you know, well, our subscribers think that it was a really not a, a fair move uh, yes. on that one. And we, we did that, for example, on boxing. On boxing, we are allowing our, all our subscribers to, be, uh, to do a scorecard, to do their own scorecard, round after yeah. round. And then we can compare the subscriber scorecard to the pundit scorecard to the official scorecard. And yeah. so, you know, it allows the, I mean, we, we are being less and less top to bottom which yeah. is obviously the way pay TV used to be. Uh, and I think we need to change that and to really uh, give a voice to the subscribers so they can, you know, participate in, in what's happening on air as well. So it's, it's, uh, it, it, it's all part of making, uh, adding new layers of experiences to make our subscribers as happy as possible. So, you know, we have those, those three different type of KPIs you know, rich in one case, monetization in, in, in another, and we yeah. need a customer satisfaction in, in the last one. Well, it looks like you guys are doing a great job. So, and, I, and, I, and we did a podcast interview with Live Like uh, with uh, Chelsea, with the senior vice president. She's great. And, and she did mention that you guys are a great partner for them. So, it's a great uh, product I'm, uh, and a great partner, I should say. We've been very happy working with them. That's great. So, can you tell more also about what, what are your favorite technologies out there? The one that you really like. Well, we could talk about that for hours, but I'm, gonna, minutes, I, yeah, so, I'm yeah. probably gonna yeah, I'm probably gonna focus on, on one thing which I think is very interesting. And yeah. um, it, it's that oftentimes you see, I mean, I'm gonna talk from a broadcaster or media uh, obviously point of view here, but mm-hmm. I oftentimes see technologies that were not designed at all at, at first for broadcasting becoming a huge part of broadcasting and you know for me trackman for example in golf is a very good example of that yeah. you know those guys were working for the military in denmark they find an idea around you know designing a radar to track golf shots which was even that was a crazy idea they managed to do that 
Yeah. They start their, their business. It's all about, you know, helping players and coaches. Yeah. But today, Trackman is a huge part of a golf broadcast. It, it actually changed completely the way golf is being shown on TV and on OTT and everywhere because of that. You know, up until 2015, when Fox acquired the USGA rights and started broadcasting the, the US Open, mm-hmm. um, basically, we were showing golf the same way since the beginning, you know, since the 1950s, I should say. You know, obviously and we went so, from, so that for the audience, because not everybody may know what yeah, Trackman obviously, does. Well, tra- so. Trackman is, is basically allowing you to see the, uh, the golf shot. The trajectory uh, of the shot. Exactly. Because, you know, yeah. you know, I've been an announcer in golf for years. And when you are in your booth in Paris, yeah. doing commentary on the PGA Tour, it's late at night. You have a guy hitting a shot. And then the, your viewers expect you to say, well, this ball is going left. When actually you cannot see where the ball is going, yeah. <laughs> to, to be honest. Yeah. You never see where the ball is going. and But it's been like that for years. And then now with TrackMan, they have a 3D rendition of the golf hole. Yes. And you see the exact shape of the golf shot. If it's left left to right, right to left, if it's going over a tree, around a yeah. tree, over, um, over water or something, you can see everything. So, you know, a piece of technology that was not designed for broadcasting actually changed golf broadcasting for the better. And I think that this is where it gets interesting. And I often say to startup, have you thought about, you know, doing work, doing work with, with broadcasters and Mm -hmm. oftentimes, and you know, it's, it's particularly true with all the, all the stuff that are designed to help with the sports performances. You know, we, we did that also with the uh, peak sensor in France. Peak is, yeah, I remember is that. Doing, I remember they started. Doing, yeah. You know, they, they are putting stuff in gloves to, to track, you know, um, uh, the amount of force that you're mm-hmm. uh, giving uh, punches with. Yeah. And, well, actually, it's, 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 it's terrific for broadcasting because you, you always want to see, you know, how hard that punch was. Yeah. And with the with with that type of tracking, you you can really have a sense of how hard those guys are hitting each other. Um, so you know, to me, this is the type of technology that I'm always looking at because of the obvious the obvious technology. You know, the the the, the better cameras and the the new ways of you know the new type of workflows that we have in in uh, in media, all the cloud based technology for production and so on. It's great. But everybody knows that, um, and but sometimes the difference maker will be to look to technologies that w- that were not specifically designed to help you with content, but use that use those technologies for uh, to improve your 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 content output, and that's really a passion of mine. That's great, yeah. And uh, in fact, I know I remember seeing because I've done a, a project one time for a big F one uh, team, F one team mm-hmm. in the UK. And I looked at some of the, the technologies used across different leagues and sports. And I remember the, the, the tournament in Japan, they were using some algorithm and some other technologies to track the, um, the, the stress level of the golfers yeah, uh, in Japan. Which is, which is great. Right. So, uh, and then rugby, for example, right? In rugby in Australia, they track the heart rate of the players and the coaches in real time, which is crazy. And they're yeah. still doing that today. So, 
there's a big crossover between the wearable data and you know the and then the live broadcast, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And oftentimes, they, those uh, the people working in those companies, they, they don't think broadcasting first. When in fact, you know, now these days, you know, for example, we're talking about TrackMan. Uh, you have two TrackMan on every wall in every tournament. That's an awful lot of TrackMan to have for, you know, the outside broadcast companies producing the footage. Yeah. So... <laughs> so they are selling a lot of TrackMan because they are in broadcasting, not to mention the, the insane amount of advertising and eyeballs that they have now on their technology, which, which makes the product, you know, probably a must have for any golf pro, any, you know, premium uh, uh, clubhouse anywhere in the world. Yeah. So it definitely improved their business. Okay, great. So uh, that makes sense. So the last two questions for you. One is, you know, there's a lot of uh, hype and excitement around NFT metaverse, uh, the club that we work with. Some of them are, you know, they're very savvy. Some of them, they don't even know where to start, right? It's, it's almost like overwhelming, right? Mm-hmm, to be absolutely, honest. yeah. And then, it is. So, yeah, so what's your take on that? And then my last question is, what recommendation would you give to any sports tech startups looking to work with Canaplos and you guys? Well, first, if we go into the NFT and metaverse, to me, those are two uh, separate things uh, from my point of view, just because of from where I stand. You know, yeah, I get a lot of questions about, about NFTs from a lot of people. But the truth is, as, you know, rights holders, we don't have any, you know, specific rights to produce NFTs. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's mostly reserved rights for the rights owners. So uh, usually I say, oh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of uh, speculation around that. Uh, I think some of those products are very cool, some not so cool, but it's definitely an interesting space. I'm very much interested in that. Uh, I think the, the, the Soraya story in France is mind-boggling. I mean, yeah. Obviously, everybody is talking about the the insane amount of money they are raising, but we should talk more about the the product and the interesting uh, stuff that they build around the product, which I think is uh, as as somebody who's who's loved you know uh, fantasy forever. Uh, I think it's a great step forward for yeah. uh, mixing uh, fantasy and NFT, which I think is very very interesting. Yeah. Um, and um, but when it comes to metaverse, I've been saying that uh, a lot these past few months. Is I think. This is the probably the single biggest disruption that we've seen in the entire history of live sports. Probably, mm-hmm. you know, because I was saying that uh, uh, before uh, with the the golf broadcast. I mean, if you look at live sports in, in television or even in OTT, you know, it hasn't changed that much. You know, we yeah. went from black and white to color from you know um, four by three to 16 by nine to from SD to HD to 4K now 8K in Japan. But it's basically the same camera angle. We have more camera now, more cameras now, you know, but it's 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 changing very little. Um, and basically we are still dis- distributing the content. We went from satellite to OTT. Well, yeah, okay. Uh, doesn't change that much actually. Um, but here we could have a true revolution where, you know, it's it's totally different, and it's a great output for a lot of technologies, which were very cool, but didn't have any you know true output 
to show the value of those technologies. We, we are talking VR. Uh, we could talk forever about the volumetric pixel or the 3D pixels, for example, uh, which I think is, 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 is very, very uh, interesting in terms of, of tech. But I mean, have you seen how it's been used uh, the past you know, four to five years? You know, it's, we, we're, we're seeing like 1% of what, what it's actually capable of. Yeah, one thing I've heard about the volumetric is very expensive. It's, it, it, it is very expensive. We are seeing now companies getting into the space like condensed reality, for example, um, uh, which are trying to, to lower the cost to produce this type of experience. But, you know, uh, the metaverse will, will provide an output for this type of experience. And I, I hope that it, it will be the output for those type of experiences because so far what we've seen in terms of either live sports or live concerts, if, it, if it's a 2D screen, in Fortnite, I'm not interested in that. Yeah, of course, yeah. it will it will be a good uh, way of trying to get you know younger demographics into sports or into stuff. Okay, but the end game to me is really providing a very very different type of experience. You know, yeah. go watch a game in uh, in the uh, as Jack Nicholson, you know, uh, uh, front row at the Crypto.com Center in, in Los Angeles, but have the entire experience, you know, uh, in the metaverse. Um, yeah. And you can even have a better seat than Jack Nicholson. You can even sit you know, or, you know, walk on the, uh, on the, on the stage, you know, with the, with the player uh, and, and, you know, see the game, you know, while, you know, being in the game. Yeah. Um, so all those possibilities, which are, absolutely crazy uh, i think could really uh, shift completely uh, what we expect from uh, uh, live sports uh, yeah i think, I think you're right content. i think you're right and and we haven't seen that it's it's a huge potential disruption for companies like us because so far you know okay we went from satellite to ott uh, we uh, but i mean so far we pretty much on the content output, you know, people expect that this type of announcing, this type of camera angle, those great directors and so on. I mean, we, we were the masters of that forever. Are yeah. we going to be the masters uh, of the live sports in Metaverse? I surely hope so. I will do everything that I can so we can keep that uh, advantage, but it's going to be hard. I mean, uh, I should say, and, and that's actually, that's, that's what gets me uh, very excited because it's it's really a game changer. It's going to be very disruptive, and I cannot wait to see how it uh, how it plays out. That's great. So in, in two minutes, because uh, we're running out of time, but what would be your recommendation to anyone looking to work with you guys? Do your homework. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it sounds basic, but um, you know, I get probably every week between LinkedIn and my yeah emails i get probably you know 10 to 20 different requests yeah to you know have either a call or see a product or anything yeah probably 80 percent of those are product that i'm never going to to be using you know i got people trying to sell me video players for example we have our own video player you know if you look on google it's going to take you like five minutes to find out that you know that's one of the things that makes us very different from other uh, broadcasters that we like to control as much as we can in the OTT app. So we have our own app that we design ourselves. All the developers 
are working for Canal Plus. We have our own video players. We are only using our own code. We are not doing any SDK, for example. We only rely, rely on APIs and so on. That's part of our philosophy. If you're here to sell me an SDK or a video player, well, I mean, you can have a great product. I'm not going to be able to use that. I mean, we're not going to change the entire app. Now we are going to release the app in, in, in 20, 30 different countries in the, in the upcoming uh, 10 years or so. So, I mean, we're going to stick with that. Um, so, so do your homework, trying to find the proper angle where, you know, yes, we can do something that will be a quick win. You're going to see the value of our product and then we can uh, start working um, uh, together long term. That's the, the first thing. And, and the other thing is that we might not be able to work with you uh, today with your product. But, you know, it's important to keep the lines open and to keep learning from each other. And yeah. when people approach me with, with, with that type of mindset, I'm going to, I only, you know, I want to be there in case you know, the roadmap, the roadmap opens up or something. Uh, but, you know, it's really important to, I mean, you know, cut the, you know, the, the basic, you know, uh, yeah. email that you're going to send to hundred different people that might work. I'm, I'm not a believer in that, but then again, I'm not a commercial. So I'm on, I'm on the easy side of the thing yeah. for sure. But when people do a bit of homework, when they send me, you know, an email with interesting stuff in, in, in them, I usually read them, answer them, have a call with them, stay in touch with them. And maybe, you know, a few months or years down the line, I end up working with them. <laughs> so um, if you have an interesting product that I can realistic use, realistically use, spend time doing a bit of homework. Yeah, I think that, that makes sense. Uh, so look, we, we at the end of the interview, but I really enjoyed the conversation. So Thank you for being on the broadcast today. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Thank you.